and welcome to Hey Look Listen, my name is Liam Sheehan and just a little PSA before we get into this episode properly. This one was a little bit special because it's the first time ever in the history of this podcast that we managed to get a few of us in the same room. Unfortunately, Owen wasn't able to join us, he's in the far-flung land of Canada, but me, Jonathan Marcy and Kevin O'Carver are all situated in the same room to record this episode and unfortunately we're a little rinky-dink operation and we encountered some sound issues that we couldn't quite overcome. Nothing disastrous, but, you know. So I'm going to apologise at the beginning of this episode for any kind of uh, drop in sound quality from our previous episodes, but um, I hope you enjoy listening to it anyway. Uh, We sure as hell enjoyed recording this one. So thank you very much, and on with the show. Guys, we're just going to dive right into this one rather than talk about what games we're playing this time, if that's okay with ye. Because, oh, sad? No, I am, but it's okay. I'm unvoted. It's fine, move on. I just think that this is more of a kind of a loosey-goosey episode that we just kind of came up with because we're like, we're all going to be in the same room, let's do something. We're each bringing two questions to each other as a kind of fuel to the fire of interesting... This is Marcy's making a face. <laughs> no, did no, I did. I have loads. Yeah. I have like, I have too many, too many questions. That was the face. I, really yeah. hope I want these to be video game related questions. If you start asking me real shit like, you know, do fo- why do fools fall in love or... What's that rash? <laughs> She's so pretty. <laughs> uh, I hope these are video game related questions. So yeah, we're each going to like ask each other these like almost like interview questions, and then we're going to get some fucking meaningful just video game discussions. Because I don't feel qualified to talk about anything except for video games. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you're not. I'm, I'm not qualified. No. Oh, about Syria? You were talking a lot about Syria. Syria. Oh, what did you say? Syria earlier. I like Rice Krispies. No, that's why I was confused. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I love Cocoa Pops. No, sorry. We're getting off the track here. Um, I actually have one to begin with, if you don't mind. Because yeah. I think this question as well is, you know, it's a good beginning one because the question is about our formative years. Kev, I'm going to ask you first. I'm asking both of you. So. Shoot. Kev, I want you to tell me, like, do you have an earliest gaming memory? Or do you have, like, not even if it's the earliest, something that's formative to your childhood related to video games? Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, there's, like... I think I might have mentioned it on the podcast before, but it is like like a, like an inside out style core memory, just locked in, of um, going to visit my grandfather who was sick in hospital in Cork, and driving back from Cork to Limerick at like nine in the night, and like to shut me up and keep me happy. Happy. My parents had bought me uh, Earthworm Jim for the Mega Drive, and like I just remember that hours-long car drive back up from from cork sitting there and just reading and rereading the manual from the earthworm gym game and like the road from limerick to cork at the time was like a back road you go through all these different towns so there'd be long stretches with no light so i'd just be sitting there holding the book open waiting for the next time we pass a street light just so i could see a new page that I, I don't know if it's my earliest memory i know the the mega drive was my first console uh, ditto. Um, and off the top of my head, I don't know when Earthward and Jim came out. I'm going to say 1993. I think wow. it was late for a Mega Drive game because that game looked good for a pixel game, a yeah. 16 bit game that looked good. You were young, yeah. Kev. You're bad. You're yeah, I would have been. I would have been probably five or something, maybe. But yeah. Yeah, it's just stuck, lodged in there. And is it warm and fuzzy? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean,. Grandfather died, but Arthur Jim was pretty good, so <laughs> swings around about you. Yeah, that's life, isn't it? Yeah, I wasn't yeah. expecting that. For no, some I, I thought the grandfather would have pulled through. <laughs> no, he, he died years later. It's well, thirty years ago. Wow. <laughs> uh, I was hoping Kevin talk more so I could think of one. Um, you just, just like a cowboy. You just came in here, no questions, I nothing ready. Should look, yeah. And a lot of people don't know this, but me and Liam do actually live together. We've lived together for almost, almost, almost ten years, but we've never done a podcast together because of the, yeah, yeah the smell. But um. Uh, mine is it's not really formative to be honest it's just the earliest yeah. to be very truthful um, a lot of the video games that I got when I was younger like between the ages of you know zero and like ten uh, were my for my dad my dad was like he was a fireman and like there's a couple of firefighters there in the station who would bring in consoles put them on the TV so they could all play them um, and then they got bored of them he'd bring them home to me um, so I've talked about it in the, the podcast before he once brought home like Metal Solid 2 like a week lost my shit um he brought he thought he brought back metal gear solid one but it was actually the metal gear solid one soundtrack which was <laughs> that's a pain i've never really experienced uh, since um but the first thing he ever brought back was uh was the commodore 64 
which is like before your oh, time. Wow. That's before your time. And yeah. It was, and it was well after its time when I got it. Like mm. it was, he basically brought it in. I think it's a Hulk of Yoke, um, and he had a suitcase of games, and so it was like maybe twenty to thirty just open cassettes in a literally in a suitcase. Um, and the reason that wasn't formative was I don't know. If, I doubt any of our listeners have ever played the Commodore sixty four, but um, if you have, you know what I'm going to say. Basically, what you do is. And I'll, the game that comes to mind is The Great Escape, based on the movie. Don't know who makes there it. There were so many shite fucking um, movie yeah, uh, tie-ins in the 80s, 70s, Absolutely. 80s. Absolutely. Yeah. Terminator, Robocop, there was, yeah. there was so many. Um, both, the famous ET one. Oh, yeah, exactly. Destroyed yeah. the industry. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Like, Buried in the desert somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but with uh, the Connor 64, you would put the tape in and you would wait for the tape to load, which could take... 15 like 15 minutes like 15 full minutes of it just kind of like and you, you had to wind it back like a vhs almost and then it would loop around right um and it, i what age was i this was maybe i'm not sure i was like maybe nine or ten yeah. so still years past like when the car 64 was yeah. out and um, i put up the great escape i didn't know what that was my dad was like not well, steve mcqueen I'm like no idea who he is is he that director god it's been I so long since that. i've seen it i forgot steve mcqueen was in it <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, Thank you. Uh, but yeah, that'd be like kind of my earliest memory. Um, and then the reason it kind of the conversation before sucked a lot was that you couldn't really play for maybe more than an hour. It, it, it overheated, so you'd have to basically. This might have just been my conversation yeah. before experience, maybe. Um, but yeah, that, that's like my earliest. I I I was born in eighty nine, so this is even before my time. But 80, 1985 with the release of the NES and Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers, I always think is the, the beginning of games for me. Is when I said if I look at it, and everything before that is like academic to me. So whenever you hear someone talk about the Commodore sixty four, I'm like, wow, that sounds bizarre. <laughs> you know what I mean? Was. I'm so kind of I've never touched one. Never have you played one, Gev? It's an old, no, never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's you still have that. Uh, we set the keyboard, so like it was. Uh, I think the version we had because two different versions. One was like uh, it was like the console and the keyboard. Um, but we the the version where it was a keyboard that had you plugged it into the console and then into the TV. Perhaps um, happy memories? <laughs> question mark? Yeah, question mark. Yeah, that's very Irish of you, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah. You don't have like was my childhood happy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's relatively happy, but it was during the troubles. Yeah, yeah, yeah we didn't yeah. know that. We didn't know. Yeah, I, I don't remember a lot of this. I don't know this because I blocked it out. Or... Yeah, yeah. I think I, I was enjoying video games right up to the point when the North invaded the South. <laughs> and then we, yeah, well, I got drafted into the Great War. Mm. <laughs> we didn't discuss this, but should I answer my own question or should we move on? I think you should. Yeah, yeah, you should, yeah. my memory that I want to talk about is not a memory. <laughs> Well, if they, yeah, have, right. if they <laughs> haven't switched off yet, <laughs> that's it. I, I don't have access to it, but I can see it because it's a photograph. <laughs> but I don't have access because it's a photograph. Okay. There's a photograph of me that exists marked 1991, so I would have been two. And I'm in my pajamas. Actually, I'm in a dressing gown and pajamas, so not much has changed. <laughs> and I'm out in my kitchen because back when we were young, our video game consoles was just the smallest TV in the house in the corner of the kitchen. It was just like, you know. You know, it was just, oh, just stuck yeah, in there, you know. Scar TV, yeah. And yeah, I'm sitting there and I'm playing to say I'm playing to Sega Mega Drive and I'm playing Altered Beast Ooh. and uh, I'm holding the controller incorrectly. <laughs> so I don't know how I could move the character and press the buttons <laughs> at the same time <laughs> at the same time. And I had headphones in. Because the Mega Drive had a head- headphone jack. Oh, did it? Only, oh, really? only the first, oh, only the first edition of the Mega. So you, might, I'm not, I'm not being superior, but you yeah. might have had a. Did, did your Mega Drive have red buttons on it? No. Oh, okay. Well, there's version of the Mega Drive that released after that didn't have it, but the one we had had it, and that's like you know you have like the first generation of Mega Drives or Genesis oh. or whatever. So yeah, so I had headphones looked in. I'm playing Altered Beast, holding the controller. Did like, you do it just for the photo? Maybe is that why you're holding it wrong? Just like you knew it was like. No, I think it's, it was um. I can't think of the word. What's the word when you don't know you're being taken a photograph of? Oh, candid. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you playing with your brother? Or you no, just... it's just me. It's me playing some Altered Beast. Anyone doesn't know what Altered Beast is, it's a very, very difficult, not very good probably, but I love it, game where you um, collect orbs. You're, you're a Greek man and you collect orbs and when you collect one orb, you become really buff. And then when you collect another one, you turn into a monster and it's a different monster for each level. Like and there's only, yeah, we're all collecting orbs and turning into <laughs> monsters in a way. <laughs> But lads, enough wallowing in the past. I don't think you have questions. I actually, I thought, I, I thought it went halfway through there. Then you take it away. Okay, uh, you're yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you think 
and this is like this feels like I've you know I'm cramming for an exam or something. But do you think games have gotten better or worse since you were younger? I mean, like to try and like detach the nostalgia from it, or maybe no, don't actually keep it in. Like, do you enjoy games more or less? And then do you also think games have gotten better or worse since you were a, a young bab since Earthworm Jim? Yeah, uh, easy, better, no question, no doubt about it. And one on one hand, I played Gex. And on the other hand, I played The Last of Us Part Two, and I feel like I can pretty confidently say, "Yeah, yeah." There's not much in a difference, but one is better than the other. <laughs> well, then let me rephrase it slightly. Then, what about your your enjoyment of video games? That's a more complicated question. Um, okay, you're all going to enjoy something more, no matter how much of a gaming fan you are. You're going to enjoy something more when you're a little child, aren't you? It's it's wonderful. It's new. It's fresh. It's exciting. We've all probably had that experience of of going back to a game that you loved as a kid playing again and going not only is this shit i cannot comprehend how i saw this ever as anything other than shit yeah. sonic adventure sonic adventure great example i was on the other side of that coin i said i also think maybe when you're an adult your hobbies are more important to you so the things that you enjoy because life is gray yeah. and shit the things that make you happy things that make you happy shine brighter and the kid everything makes you happy Unless I know I that comes from, I the most like no, that's a great point though. Pleasant childhood of just people at home going, I don't really <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well don't listen. We don't want to listen. We don't want to hear it. No, give it yourself. Um that's a good point though, because I would feel that No, I actually yeah, I probably did enjoy games more as younger, but now I'm able to understand why I enjoy them more and like it it stays yeah. with me longer. It's not like a quick dopamine hit when I was a kid playing something. It was like, really, like N64 is really cool, Goldeneye, oh, wow, it's awesome. Now it's more like a game will stick with me for a much longer period of time. It's not just nostalgia making it that way. It's because it's a really, really great game, and I really enjoyed it. You know? But do you kind of – like we, we have a podcast, and we talk about video games, so I'm not, we, don't, we, don't, we don't work in the industry like that, but we, you know, we, can, we can analyze them. That's why we're able to talk about them for an hour. Do you sometimes wish – do you look back at the, the days when you – couldn't look at things analytically and just enjoy them at face value. The, the moment you're kind of like, oh, that, oh, I see why they're doing that. I, I see why that's designed. Can be fun. But I'm also kind of like, I wish I didn't, I couldn't see the nuts and bolts under the hood, maybe. Yeah, I think it's a, a good point. I think it's like the, you know, knowing how the sausage is made type thing. Um, I think it kind of feeds back into what Marcy was just saying there, is that maybe there's a distinction between enjoyment and appreciation. As a kid, you can enjoy the games because you're just having fun pressing the button, making the little plumber jump. But then later in life, you can play that same game and appreciate like the beauty of the game design of like Super Mario One One. And they're different things, but they're kind of equally valid. I think that's true. Yeah, yeah because I, like, I almost there's certain games I've played recently, Deus Ex and Human Revolution, <laughs> um, where I actually enjoyed watching the three-hour video essay on YouTube more. Than actually experiencing the game. That's it, yeah. To me, understanding why it's a flawed game, why it is the way it is. You know uh, I mean? Adult video essays are, are a kind of a, a slippy slope. I was, I was, I came across one about a movie with Stephen Yeun in it, and it was like, why Stephen Yeun's performance in this movie was so good. And I was like, I'm gonna watch this because you know, video essays are so like, you know. And I, after five minutes, I turned it off and went, I'm gonna watch the fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I keep watching video essays. Why don't Stephen Yeun be happy? And it was that. a great movie. Yeah. It's called Burning. Hey, we talk about video games here. Watch the Korean movie called Burning, everyone. It's brilliant. It'll stay with you. It's based on a Murakami novel. Anyway. Yeah. Or just, just, play, just play the inevitable Ubisoft adaptation. <laughs> Stephen Young just climbing towers to reveal more of his map. <laughs> I think I covered it. We can move on. Okay. This is the loose line in the sand. That was loosey goosey. Oh, that was very line in the sand. No, this is loosey goosey. Uh, I think it's no has to have a question. Do you think, do you think Kev has a question? What do you think? Can I just say before we get to Kev that you not having anything ready and like coming up with like and, and, and feeding into a really interesting discussion is just prime Marcy. Is it? From what I've known of you. Yeah, oh, just wow. flying with the seat of your pants and, head. and just succeeding. <laughs> Pain running all over my head. Yeah. Kev, what you got? Yeah, so I was thinking about questions before coming in here and uh, admittedly not not very hard and not for long. Way to make me um, feel like a dick. Go on. But I was thinking, and it's something that you and I have spoken about before, Liam, is the idea of, you know, divisive games. Yeah. And I don't mean ones that are, like, controversial. God knows there's enough of those going around at the moment. But, I mean, a game comes out, and you see the reviews, and on Metacritic, it has, like, a 79. And the reason it has a 79 
is because like half the reviews are tens and half the reviews are fours. You know, a game where there's something in it that just really fucking works for people and something that really doesn't. And I was thinking of it because of uh, Marvel's Midnight Suns, a game that I have picked up but haven't started yet, but I've got very mixed feedback on from people who have played it. So I'm curious, are there any games that kind of come to mind for you guys that are super divisive, that kind of really split the player base a lot? For example, like I spoke about my love for Final Fantasy XV. Yeah, on that's, a good one. that's a good one, yeah. Yeah, that's a game that people, quite rightly, fucking hate. I love it. But I'm wondering, do you guys have any uh, examples or anything? I have a couple. I have ones that are in big franchises, but are like very divisive. With like, they're still Wind Waker, huh? Wind Waker. Wind, no, Wind Waker. No, Wind Waker is almost universally beloved now. It's a good. It's yeah. Amazing. At the time, maybe. I don't know if this suits your question because the game I'm gonna. I, I it came to my mind it wasn't only divisive. I think it was almost universally fucking despised by the fan base. And I don't. I don't think it's a masterpiece or anything like that. I don't love it. And I, I think if I if I was on a bigger form and I said this, I think they people throw tomatoes at me. I liked oh, God, yeah. I liked DMC, the Devil May Cry reboot that came oh. out in the in the twenty tens. It was it was hand, yeah. it, it wasn't made by Capcom. It was made by Ninja Theory, the guys who went on to make Senua, um, Senua Sacrifice, and um, what's the name? Make? Oh, um, Enslaved Honesty to the West, and they're a cool That's company. A game. Yeah, yeah. And Hellblade. Remember that? No, no, Hell, no. What's the one? Um, Heavenly Sword. Remember that? It was a PS three launch title anyway and i've always liked that studio their main thing is like they're on the forefront of mocap they always have andy circus and their stuff yeah and i i'm on i've always been gunning for them because they don't like until uh, until hellblade said it was sacrifice they didn't really have a big hit on their hands and i just felt so sorry for them because they rebooted devil may cry and it was a western take on it and it was kind of edgy and kind of you know he had kind of an emo haircut and people just <laughs> fucking hated it and i don't think it's better than any of the other devil may cry games i've played but I liked it. I thought there was some interesting kind of, um, like even just visual stuff. There's a bit where um, you're going to go on a mission and um, it's cutting to the cutscene of the, of the characters planning the mission. And as you're playing, the kind of waypoints are the chalkboard that your team is talking about. And the chalkboard is kind of combining with the level that you follow that. Just stuff like that. It had, like, it had so many interesting ideas that I hate that it's almost universally despised. Because Devil May Cry, I, I, I like Devil May Cry. I love the first one and the third one on the PS2. I think they're class. But they're kind of cringy and, and, oh. kind, and kind of like... I, they're, they're, people vibe with what they are because it, it, it's kind of embarrassing anime melodrama with co- cool fighting and stuff like that. But it's always kind of like Devil May Cry wasn't this sacred text that couldn't be touched. And I just felt like that one was panned too much. And uh, divisive to say the least, and I just, I always like this. I, I don't love it. It's 7 out of 10. I love a 7 out of 10 games sometimes, though. But it's kind of like it's your little thing now, though, isn't it? It's not my th- I wouldn't go that far even. It sounded like it was. We talked about it before. <laughs> when I say what would be my thing would be Silent Hill Shattered Memories. Oh, which, yeah. Which is a divisive, exactly. which is a divisive game within Silent Hill, and I actually, te- it's, I only, I haven't played that many Silent Hills, but I thought it was fantastic. Absolutely mm. brilliant game. Super interesting. A game that we spoke about in detail on our Silent Hill episode. Check it yeah. out, folks, to hear me and, and Kev go, you can listen to voices through the Wiimote. Yeah. And Liam will edit in the episode number here. 15. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what I said in the side. I think you're close, though. No, 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 no. I don't think so. Yeah. I'll, I'll answer in a different way, uh, Kevin, uh, to make me seem... I was kind of out myself in a way. Uh, firstly, I couldn't, I couldn't really think of a, a divisive game I played recently. You love the mainstream popular stuff, don't so, you? That's on, so, <laughs> kind of yes and kind of no. Because, um, like, obviously, I could definitely talk about controversial games. Like, Last of Us 2 pops into my mind, but I know we're not talking about that. But I loved it. Didn't get all the fucking. That's a good one, yeah. I didn't, so, I, I didn't get all the hate. Yeah. It didn't at all. Well, we're we're a pro the Last of Us 2 podcast, Absolutely. which is why we haven't grown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that could be it, that could be, actually. Yeah. Um, but I, I will bring up that point that I think. Uh, for the last maybe 10 years of my life, I think I've been terribly influenced by online reviews. Mm. Like, I, I, like, I'm kind of, kind of shame me and Steph here. But like, to talk about movies for a second, which I know is Liam completely forbids on the podcast. Actually, you just did it a minute ago. I don't trust the moving pictures, man. <laughs> He's right. I didn't the yeah, they that, joke, that joke doesn't work. You uh, can't <laughs> control them. Um, but we literally, we'll be like going through Netflix or Disney or whatever, and like we'll say a movie, and then Steph and me will instantly go check on Rotten Tomatoes first. 
Yeah. It does, is it fresh? Does it have like 80%? Oh, I have 75? Oh, I don't know if I want to put my time to that. For the last 10 years, I've started to kind of sadly do that with games. I don't know that a sad thing of like getting older. So you're kind of like, I have less time. There's more monetary commitment as well, though. You can't, that's you, true. You want to be sure. Yeah. We're not kids yeah. anymore with our parents buying us. Like, that's you know, that's actually we, such a We want to make point. sure what we're spending our money on. Like 80 euro for a video game is... is eight, are they 80 euro yeah. now? Yeah, 70, I think. Yeah. In, 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 but I just... No, did, 80. 80 for the... Are kidding me? The PS5 exclusives or whatever. I was just thinking, yeah, yeah. But I remember seeing uh, the original IGN review of Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney, and they gave it like... I think a 7 or a 6.5 or something like that. And I was just uh, thinking, like, if I saw that, and I, I, I probably wouldn't have played the game. Yeah. And Ace Attorney has become one of... I'm a, I'm a fucking simp for that franchise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a huge fan of it. Yeah, that review would have influenced me if I saw it first. I remember when I played Ace Attorney back in the day, I was looking for reviews, but I was like, they gave it this? Which is terrible. Where's Ace Attorney? But it's, yeah. it's, it's terrible because it's like playing a video game and enjoying it really is very subjective, like most of the time. Um. So, but I, so I've tried to figure out, like, so now, for example, we were talking about Baldur's Gate earlier. Um, I have played the, the beta anyway. But... Off episode, we weren't, we weren't recording when we talked about it. <laughs> oh, we weren't, yeah. No. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't say we were. Um, yeah, but, it was confusing. Uh, yeah, it was, actually. Um, but like, for me now, I won't, you know, I play the game, I still won't check the reviews. Like, I won't now, because I, yeah. I want to enjoy it myself. But yeah, I think, yeah, I've, I've, yeah, I wish I could stop that. I wish I could, maybe I'll try. Maybe I'm, this is it. It's a turning point in my life. Because like I said earlier on, like, I'm not, I wasn't specifically talking about reviews, just more in, in, in spirit. I love a 7 out of 10 sometimes. Mm. A game doesn't have to blow your mind and change your life. It's functionally fun. Yeah. I think a, per, the perfect game like to describe that is, um, I brought it up earlier on, you ever play Enslaved Odyssey to the West? Mm. Hidden, PS, fun, yeah. hidden PS3 game. It's so fun. If you wouldn't buy it full price. Yeah. I, 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 think, I think I got it for like $4.99, like a, like a decade yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, or like something like, not one of Nintendo's non kind of main franchises. Like I love a Luigi's Mansion game. I don't think they're masterpieces, but they're fun. Yeah. Oh, you, you don't like Luigi's Mansion? You're no, right I think they're fantastic. I think they're right. like an eight and nine. Oh, you're probably right. Actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean though. Like a, a a seven out of ten game that is trying something interesting and doesn't quite work is more rewarding to me. And like an eight out of ten game that's playing really safe but nails yeah. it. I think yeah. I, I I hate to be this guy, but I think a lot of Sony's PS4 exclusives were that I I, I called them exit mediocrity in one episode or something or something like that. I would lump I they're great games. Spider Man, Ghosts of Shima, Horizon Zero Dawn. They're fine. They're so uh, well made. they're so well made, but they don't really they don't really. I'll, I'll, call, you, like. I'll call you on Ghost just because I know you haven't you haven't finished Ghost. Have you played through entirely? Yeah. Ghost of Shima is excellent. It is a very is good game. It really? I, yeah, I, it is. The reason I didn't finish it because I wasn't really, I wasn't really finding. It. I, I thought it was good. I thought it was good. Yeah. I, I hate talking negatively about these games because they're far from bad. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I enjoyed. Like, I, I got the Miles Morales game. Like, I didn't love Spider Man, but I, I liked it enough to get Miles Morales, and I, I, I like those games. Yeah. I don't. You don't like Spider Man. I, well, I, I, I yeah. think you're, you are definitely on something there. I think the first two Spider Man games. Th that's kind of like divisive in a way where sometimes like am i just getting old or cynical or have i played games for too long where i'm just like i see a game get universal acclaim and i'm like i don't get it man a lot of people are for elden ring i'm i'm, I'm seeing like because it's so popular i'm seeing a lot of like why yeah if people want to tear it down yeah breath of the wild used to get a lot of it as well um in 2017 any game that gets really big people are there's always people come out going like i don't this isn't as good as earthworm jim that was you kev you said that it's true, it's true. <laughs> I say this, I bring this up about games as many times as possible on this podcast because it's grown over the last like 20 years to be one of my favorite things about games. Like sometimes, a lot of time, even more than the narrative is the vibe. Mm. Just like being in a game. I've I, I recently played a lot of Mario games and Mario is like, Mario can feel like cobbled together at levels sometimes, but whenever it decides to have a sense of place, it usually absolutely nails it. Mario Sunshine, uh, Mario Odyssey has a lot of that. So I think I want to ask you, I'll start with Marcy. Do you have any like gaming location that you just love? Tamriel. You just like being in that whole entire world, yeah? I mean, like, like, what do you mean? Like, do you have a place in Tamriel that you really like? Oh like yeah, like uh, Whiterun, um, which is like one of the first um, kind of main towns you see. Oh, sorry, this is The Witcher, right? Skyrim. Skyrim. Sorry, I didn't mean to come across so offended. <laughs> I'm not even sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. sorry. Oh my god. Skyrim. What's The Witcher world called? Uh, What's The Witcher world called? Uh, Poland. <laughs> <laughs> what is it called? I, I'm going. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm, putting, my, I'm putting myself in black. I can here. think of like Valen, Orchard, uh, White Orchard. I can't think of the actual overall world now. I'm putting myself in black here, but isn't Skyrim set in Skyrim? 
No, Skyrim is a part of wider Tamriel. The Tamriel so you, is like you were talking about Tamriel from all the games. I said so. I did say Elder Scrolls, and you went with. Uh, I did. Yeah, really? that's okay. Oh, well, we can listen back. One of us will be right. One of us will be wrong. Whoever's wrong will leave. It's the just podcast. the biggest game in the world yeah. ever made. I just don't know jack shit about <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I wonder, I wonder how much this episode we're going to keep. Um, <laughs> diminishing. Um, the question. Shit. Uh, it was location. So, yes, I can answer that question. Um, so I will say, yeah. So let me say Skyrim then, and like wider Tamriel from like Oblivion and, and Morrowind. I think that game what it did to me was. I got into, and you say a vibe, just a game that felt like I was very, very immersed in it. Like the the soundtrack, um, the location, the characters, and the vibe of countless hours spent exploring. It became like, do you ever play a game and it's like, if it's particularly massive, it's not something you blow through in a few days, so it becomes like a habit you put in over weeks and weeks and weeks. You know, you... Uh, you go to school or go to work, whatever. You come home, you have a dinner, and then you know between the hours of like six thirty and nine or whatever, you know, before watching like I'm not watching White Lotus right now, or whatever. <laughs> you, you, you get your gaming in, and you go right TV show now, and then you know try and sleep for eight hours. Um, that was Skyrim was like that for like I think I my first play to put in about five hundred hours, and so that was over, and that was back when I think it came out what twenty eleven, so we've been in university, so it was, that was it. Come back to university, do that for hours, hours, hours. Um, but the thing about that is. I don't know because you you can reference Mario in particular. Um, it's on my mind. Yeah, um, and in your bum, <laughs> right up there. <laughs> no, that's it. Um, <laughs> it's it. You were him. Um, be more Chris Pat, isn't it? What, oh, no, no. no. He's muscly. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, I was chasing the high for a long time. Which is that sound like a weird thing to say, but it's true. I was chasing like the high of that vibe of like. Yeah. When I booted up Skyrim, and then like I don't think I was nothing was like going bad in my life at the time. We're not the type of podcast, but like it was definitely a very um, it's a very comforting game to play. Like it became a game that was in no way ever challenging, um, and I still boot it up every now and then. If if I get a new console or any new device, I check see if it can play Skyrim. It usually can, um, it's, but it's kind of sad. Um, but like that's the vibe. I think I still chase with a lot of games. Are you, are you hoping Baldur's Gate three this year will? Give you that? Yeah, probably. I probably I, you, I, like I, your, you like your big fantasy epic, do you? I do, I do. I like being um, a fantasy man. And is it, the, is it yeah. the fantasy? Is it the trappings? Or is it the scale? of? The, could, could it be another kind of genre? But is it the scale of Skyrim and just how um, immersive the world is? Yeah, it's, it's the immersive, immersion is the word. It's like, it's kind of a game where like you... I think it's not exactly a. It's not the storyline. It's not a, like every time I talk about a game I love, I end up going negative before I go positive. It's it's negative Nancy. I am. I'm not, I'm not really in real life. I don't know about that. Uh, okay, there we go. Uh, not really, really exposing myself. Um, but I just love you. Like you go into like a bar or whatever you, you know, in a game or in like a location, and you open a book, as opposed to the book that you find having like you know a couple of sentences about a quest or a story. It's like a twenty-five page book that I read. And I learn about some family that live in Skyrim or somewhere else, you know, and like, it, 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 you know, uh, Solvium or whatever. And I never, I never actually go meet them or see anything, but I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I've gotten a bit of a nugget there. So th- I think it's just, I, I love it. Yeah. Scale is definitely there, but it's when I feel there's been some really, really good world building. Um, I can look past a lot of the, the weaker storylines and the glitchiness of the game. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's a vibe I like. Mm. Cool. How about you, Kev? I think two immediately came to mind when you asked the question, and kind of two different ways. One is the vibe that's created by the fact that all my friends hang out there, and that is the Normandy from Mass Effect. It's just yeah, yeah. If I could play a version of the Mass Effect game where all the missions play out as cutscenes, and all I do is walk around the Normandy and talk to people between those missions. 10 out of 10, no notes. It doesn't, doesn't it make you wonder why they haven't just nailed a Star Trek game? Just being, yeah. on, just being on the Enterprise and just yeah. uh, going to Holodeck and kissing <laughs> Marilyn <Imagine>. Monroe. I'm going to move past that. I can, I can hear the noise still in Mass Effect 2 where you open the map. What's good about it as well is I like the routine of it. I like doing a mission and then, okay, now I'm going to wander around my ship and check in with everyone. Yeah. Yeah, you'd nearly want want the secretary one to not tell you if someone is looking to talk to you. It's like, I'll get to it myself. I'm going to go talk to anyone. My fish got my fucking shit. Yeah, Yeah, I I did not feed the fish. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) 
I didn't feel I didn't feed Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the other example that popped to mind then <laughs> sorry. Um was more for the sort of the atmosphire of it. And it's um Firelink Shrine in the first Dark Souls. Because it's after you complete the, the the prologue bit, you get dropped in there and it's just this like core anchor point for the entire game. Like the world map is so interconnected, everything loops back to itself, things connect back to Firelink in different ways. You like you'll explore for a bit, you'll find an elevator, you'll go down, and halfway down the elevator, that music starts up again, and you're like, wait a minute. I know what this is. So you keep getting brought back there throughout the game. You find NPCs out in the world, and then they'll go back to Firelink and act as like vendors or provide side quests and stuff. And it's sort of as your journey through Dark Souls progresses, Firelink changes as well and adapts with you. Um, and like I play Dark Souls about once a year at this point, and almost similarly to Mass Effect, if I could play a version of Dark Souls that was just hanging out in Firelink. That would kind of suck because Dark Souls is all about the combat. <laughs> but we won't pay it anyway. <laughs> to tread into water, as I understand, do you get that same feeling with the Hunter's Dream in Bloodborne? Um, it is good. It is definitely good. It doesn't have that same thing of the NPCs you find in the world being brought there. The Odin Temple in Bloodborne is kind of the equivalent, um, which is kind of cool. Uh, but it's it doesn't quite hook me in the same way the Firelink does. I think a lot of it, ninety percent of it, is the music. The Firelink theme is reused in Dark Souls Three, and when I experienced that the first time around, I was like, teared up a little bit. I was like, M- music does a lot of the heavy lifting in games, in in, uh, in and in films and anything. You like, in, especially when the graphics are poor, how much it holds up the atmosphere. Like you, sometimes you look back and go, like, did I? Like that game, or did I like the soundtrack? <laughs> the soundtrack no, I, I have that. With, I, I generally have that with Sonic. I'm bringing it up twice. Yeah. Sonic Adventure. <laughs> <laughs> I played a bit of it earlier in the year, and I was like, "This is shit," but the tunes are so good. <laughs> and I was like, "Is my?" I think my nostalgia for that game is only a base because its gameplay is terrible. It's only based around the, the soundtrack. That's incredible, though. It's like a very 1999 vibe to it. But uh, the game I would go for is um, I'm doing it someday. And I'll talk about this. I'm going to do a Monkey Island episode. Yeah. But I think if you ask me what the most underrated game of all time is, I would say The Curse of Monkey Island because it's the third one. And it, it, even it, it's in a niche genre, but even within its own franchise, people tend to look at one and two as like the kings and the three has always been my favorite. There's a town in it called Porto Polo. And um, it is what we just, the music. Uh, it, it I replayed it last year. And what struck me about it is it's not just the music. They, they added in like wind and it, it, Porto, it's on an island called Plunder Island, which is full of chickens. There's always chickens clucking. And it's just my safe space. I'm not even joking. It's so... It is so relaxing to me. and it's so. But it, it's the main reason really, it's so formative. I played it when I was about eight. Wow. And when we first got to Curse of Monkey Island, uh, it wouldn't save. And we didn't know why. I was flashed to the end of the story. We deleted it and reinstalled it and it worked but this was after this was after like a year oh shit <laughs> every time i played curse of monkey on they started from the start so i that's why i know i can i can almost quote i can quote like the, so much because it was just one thing so porto polo is the early town you go to and i just think it's so relaxing and the art style of monkey on is beautiful it's so uh, curse monkey on is beautiful it's so painterly and there was actually a point in my life as a, a sad adult i had it as my desktop background the place because i looking at it genuinely calmed me that's sad and that's one of my favorite funny recurring jokes in Monkey Island where the town is plagued by um, El Pollo Diablo, the devil chicken. <laughs> who's, who's this chicken who's getting revenge on the townsfolk for eating all the chickens? And I just love everything about that section of the game. It has, it has some of the best characters. You have to recruit a pirate crew and they're all, um, they've all retired from pirating and they're, um, they've opened a, a <laughs> hairdresser slash barbershop. Can I uh, uh, not ask a full question? This doesn't count as a question question. Um, more of like a. I think. Have you played Red Dead Two? Yeah, I haven't finished it, but I've played. It. Yeah, it hates it. I don't hate it. I think it's. I think it's aggressively mediocre. Oh man, now this could be a full question. Um, I was going to ask, <laughs> what do you think about the campsite? Because you, okay, cool. Yeah. So I, I used to find that because unfortunately I'm going to stray more into negativity here, but I don't think Red Dead Two is as great as people say. Mm-hmm. You know what you're getting to? I would say it's mediocre, but I definitely think it should be as revered as it is. 
because it's not fun to play. Yeah, I think I think that's probably a fairer assessment than mine. But I used to love going back to the camp, man. Like I thought, like that, that was like some of the most impressive things about the video game. Where the more you went back, the more it felt like it was actually real, like a real living, breathing camp. I'm telling you, the heart of that game is the characters. Yeah, absolutely. The, absolutely. Little, the little team of misfits, the little found family at the center of it, and it's and the, the narrative arc is the slow deterioration of that little found family into into turning niceness into bile. It's great. It's not a good video game, but it's a great. No, yeah, it's definitely. It's, it's not the gameplay. It's it's not the horse balls. It's not any of that. It's 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 definitely the definitely that. Yeah. Am I remembering correctly that you can't sprint in the cramp? No, you can't. That's true. That's dog shit. I do, man. Everything, everything about controlling Arthur in that game was just really poor. And even the horse riding was kind of okay, I guess. But I just think, oh, Liam, you have, have a go at me? Like you're no. Upset. No, you're not. Okay, you're just serious. It's my fucking face. face. Oh, well. oh, it looks, looks like different than the HD camera. Um, but yeah. No. Maybe, it could be, maybe actually there should be an episode someday. We've never done an episode in Red Dead 2. We did one on Rockstar Games, you, me, and Owen. I oh, I kept thinking Max Payne was a Rockstar game. That's actually a remedy. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry. That was the only time someone made a meme about our podcast. Who's next? I'll go next. So... Video games, one of the reasons we love them is because they can be or do anything. They can be like Last of Us Part 2 where they just big, involved narrative, very emotive, or they can be something like The Witness where you're just throwing yourselves at puzzles over and over again. It can be Pong or it can be Call of Duty. They can do lots of different things um, and lots of different genres. Like sci-fi is, is represented really well. Uh, fantasy is represented really well. Like action adventure is represented really well. Where are the sexy games at? What is, I wasn't expecting this. Yeah, right. Is elaborate. You have to elaborate. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a pearl of wisdom. Every game is a sexy game if you have the right attitude. Uh uh-uh. There are tons of horny games. Leisure suit Larry. Where are the sexy games? And okay, what's the distinction? Distinction, like you go on a Steam, you open up the Steam homepage, and it's just cat girls. Oh, it's crazy! Yeah, and anime mods, like those are horny games. That's those just Liam's library. Yeah, yeah, it's on the screen right now. So you're asking, where's the more mature, titillating, yeah. sexy game? But no, I'm using sexy kind of jokingly. But I mean, like romantic. You mean kind of like romantic yeah, stories? Yeah. Kind of? Is there any example? you can think of in video games of like a, a romantic story done well. That's not interchangeable with the word sexy. I know, I'm being annoying. <laughs> so this, this, the dimension of this question is about to change. Now I don't have to talk about Tifa and Earth. <laughs> but again, I would include that as horny, not sexy. Final Fantasy VII Remake, like, without the characters just being these... Immaculately rendered beauty. I'm talking about the males. That is such. <laughs> they would have been so hot. <laughs> but um, that is, no, 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 they're not. They're under twenty. Okay. Liam is an expert. <laughs> the remake is really horny. They absolutely knew that like everyone was horny for those characters, and they're always like flirting with each other, and they're always fighting. Over. It's way hornier than the original. Jesse, in particular, is yeah. She's like a stereotype. She's like a parody. I mean, yeah. But where is the, the a good romantic game? I, I like my, there's couples I like to bring back to Monkey Island. I've always loved Guybrush and Elaine from Monkey Island, but it's sweet, but it's not. Yeah. It, there's one very obvious one Mass Effect. Mass Effect is the sexiest, <sighs> horniest, romantic game going. But I would say in Mass Effect, like there's no dramatic tension to any of the romance in Mass Effect. None of the characters are going to turn you down, really. I do know if you if you romanticize Jacob as a woman, he cheats on you. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. That happened, that happened, that happened to Steph. Who's he cheating? Who's he cheating? It was someone that kind of shocked me. She didn't have shocked me. I think it was like Gareth or someone. I was, like, did, I was like, oh, wow. Why didn't your girlfriend romance? Why did she romance Jacob? Why not Gareth? All the, the, all the, the alien the, men. Why did she you go can, for the man? You can read into that question. <laughs> we won't do That's it the, the fun of it. Yeah, you, it got a, you got a fucking alien. But I was, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's very true. I think she romanticized a lot of people. But that's a fair point. I know I know a game that did it really badly. Yeah. Um, uh, the Witcher 3 did it really poorly. That is the, the Ur example of it done badly. 
you've got what? You've got Yennefer and uh, Triss, who are like the two kind of major kind of leads in it, uh, female leads. And you, you kind of, there's obviously a lot of backstory between you and Yennefer. You've known her for a very long, long time. But like Geralt is like the biggest simp of all time. Like he, he goes from being this very kind of. I thought there was simping for him, no? You would think that, right? Because he's this broad, you know, brooding, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking of Henry Cavill now. Maybe I'm just describing him. Um, Nothing wrong with that. Con- yeah, exactly. Very, very confident man. But the minute he meets Yennefer, he just falls to pieces. He's like, my queen, what can I do for you? And all this kind of nonsense. She's a sorceress. She's a sorceress. Yeah, I've, exactly, watched, yeah. I've watched the show. Yeah. And then Triss is the one who's the American accent. It's terrible. But it's it's really, it's where like the Witcher starts to feel like really hokey and just like the yeah. writing is really, really poor. And it's just. Yeah. And the animations for the sex scenes are ultimately cringe. They're really, and they do have not held up. And they didn't go near them in the remaster. It's like when you have sex with Yennefer on a, on a unicorn. Uh, still, <laughs> still looks terrible. I, I feel like there's a game on the tip of my tongue, but you're right. I can't remember. I can't think of a truly romantic game that like feels... There's a ton of romantic movies. Do you know, uh, it's not a romantic game. It's a tragic one. But I thought the relationship between Ellie and Dina was very realistically portrayed in The Last of Us Part yeah. 2. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was a That's very um, realistic take on um, a couple. That wasn't just total like fucking. I don't know. Sometimes you feel like gaming writers can be just little man children. Yeah, you know that just don't feel like they can kind of come, come at something from a mature way. But I, I genuinely can't. Very mature. Yeah. What about Mario and Peach? Yeah, but that's just kind of they're like icons. It's not that it's not. It is. It's lovely. Like I love them. Power couple. But it's not really that romantic. Do you have one, Kev? You came up the question. Do you have anything in mind? Yeah, I don't really. That's kind of why I was asking. It's genuine interest. I feel like we're going to be done recording and I'm going to go, what about this, yeah. these characters and this? Because like romance, like novels, it's, it's, it's the biggest genre there is. Romantic mm-hmm. movies are massive. What yeah. is there? Am I going to, I, I say, I, is it because, and this is either true or not true, or game developers have thought this, that they presume that video games are a male-orientated domain? Which is, which is Demonstrably isn't. Yeah, exactly. But is that, has that been the thinking maybe for so long? Oh, or they presume... Yeah. Definitely go back a few years, go back a decade, and yeah, people, yeah. developers definitely thought they were selling games to men and boys. Yeah. It's like 50-50. Like using the Steam example again of, you know... Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it's kind of a, a hangover from that sort of thinking. Because obviously there's like... The people playing games nowadays is way more diverse than it's ever been. The people making games is way more diverse than it's ever been. But we're not seeing that diversity reflected in the type of games that are game. And I'm sure it's it's like economic concerns play into it that they have to make something that that they know will sell. No publisher is going to pick it up if they don't think it's going to make money. But yeah, I think just like a straight up romance game would make money. I was joking at first when you were calling things sexy, but I love the final. The final fantasy games are very romantic. I think that's my call, Kev. Yeah, yeah. especially seven to ten. Seven has is, is a tragedy. Cloud and Aerith is like tragic. She dies, but I think Final Fantasy eight, nine, and ten are almost like the two main genres. They are fantasy and romance. I'd say they're very much about Squall and Renoa, about Zidane and Dagger, and about. Titus and Yuna done well you think yeah yeah, yeah I absolutely think I think I think they're lovely actually that's actually I've did I've done it <laughs> those are those are my calls like Titus and Yuna is a beautiful little story like whatever you think about that character and the ha 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 and how it's the voice acting is really, like that's a cool story like he falls over her and then finds out she's gonna die and doesn't want to like doesn't want to like lose her I those I think they're right I think RPGs in general always like have a, a JRPG so I should say they always kind of Tend to go for a good um, romantic subplot. And you, I'm saying beside, because um, when, do you say where we are? I'm going to dox you on the we're podcast. In, we're in my house. Yeah, yeah. We're uh, in my home home, actually. Air code W2 sec. No. <laughs> um, but we are, like, where we've all played video games in this place for ages, and there's a huge video game collection beside me. Yeah. What about this? The Sexy Brutal. Good game. Is it sexy? No. It's not. <laughs> it's a good game, actually. It's uh, kind of. Um, That's right, it's like The Witcher. You know, it's like Kev. It's like you. It's like that game you love, the time loop game, Death Loop. Oh yeah. People are being murdered in a in a in a nightclub casino place, and you have to go back in time a lot of times to try to save everyone by learning the routines of everything. I love that. When you were like, it's like that game you love, the time loop one. I was like, is it Majora's Mask? No. Is it Outer Wilds? No. Death Loop. There we go. Oh yeah, I forgot about those other massive <laughs> examples. So yeah, I think the sexiest game ever came is the Sexy Brutal, which I own. Because it has sexy in the title. Because it has sexy in the title. I'm glad we cleared that up. 
remember I was on a, a Zoom chat over pandemic when we were like doing drinks over long distances, and one of my friends was like, "Lim, what's that game behind you? Like the sexy brutale?" Yeah, I remember that. Actually, do you know what? This is more embarrassing. I actually think I was drunk, wandering around showing people my games on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she saw it in the background. Actually, it was there was a lot of that, a lot of that. <laughs> the pandemic did strange things too. Right? Yeah, I think it may be my true self. Jonathan, final question for us to wrap this up. Okay, well, I'll pick a really cliche one then. Okay, um, you guys are familiar with Desert Island Discs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sounded very disappointed when I said that. You should explain it in case people aren't. Talking. Oh, we're nothing if not. Uh, Professionals. Yeah, basically, the idea is you know the whole idea that you you know, pick an album, you're stranded in the desert forever, uh, or an island, let's say, and you can listen to one album forever. What is it? Blah, blah, blah. So basically, the version of that with a game, and like it's not really going to be your favorite game of all time, yeah. but if it's a game that you can constantly go back and repeat and play again and again and again, but also love, what's that game you're you're, you're going to pick? And I would go to Liam first. I think it's um, it's, I think it's a sexy brutal. I uh. I, it's a boring answer for me, for anyone who knows me, but I, like, it's not my favorite Zelda, but I think it's Ocarina of Time. I think I get peace <laughs> when I start playing that game again. I get like I get like I get in a good mood as soon as I like hear the, the music and I'm in those spaces. I get that same with Majora's Mask. Whenever I play Majora's Mask and I'm in Clock Town and I can hear like the dog barking and the music starting, I actually just go, I like this place more than a lot of places I visited in the real world. <laughs> <laughs> Again. But despite the fact that Majora's is my favorite Zelda game, Ocarina is the one I'm choosing. I can play that game over and over and over again, and I play it every year. As a point, I play it about once a year. Do you, do you really mean that? Like, have you really played it like once every year since like what '98? One time, this is kind of a bit personal, but one time I was like in a, a really bad mood. Uh, I was very sad over a girl. Stupid past stuff. Now I'm, I'm, I'm strong. Strong, <laughs> strong, and not single. <laughs> but, um, I was, uh, yeah, I was, I was being a fucking sad sack and being all heartbroken. Uh, upon reflection, it's all, it's all inwards. It's all doing it to yourself. The, the girl has nothing to yep. do with it. That's what happens in this podcast. You come for the game, the and point, just, I, I was really miserable, and I woke up one day and I was like, I'm going to play Ocarina of Time and not stop till I finish it. And I played it no for way. Seven, I played it seventeen and a half hours. As, as like, because I wasn't speedrun. I don't speedrun things. So it, it, I, I don't. Was that very cathartic though? It was, it was cathartic. I don't think it's healthy, but it was cathartic. It was, it was cathartic, and it did kind of. It was almost like a buffer. It was like the sad thing happened, Zelda, and then the rest of my life. Got the sad, the end there. So um, I love Ocarina of Time. Uh, people say it's overrated. It fucking isn't. <laughs> that's, that's, my, that's, that's my summation yeah I don't know I would think that any sort of single player game any sort of narrative based thing no matter how good it is if it's the only game you're playing eventually it's- I, 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 that's, that was actually my point actually, I agree with him yeah, yeah I actually do yeah, yeah. If, you, if you think about it kind of in a literal way absolutely yeah yeah, yeah so I, w- I would go with and it probably is the game I've played the most, and it's Slay the Spire, because I have that on my PlayStation, I have it on my Switch, I have it on Steam, I have it on my phone. I've put in hundreds of hours into each one. The save files aren't connected, so every time I just start again, and I absolutely adore it. I think it is the pinnacle of, of that sort of card, card game design. It is so satisfying to play. It's so well-crafted, it's sort of the, the, the build craft is incredible. Um, there are these sort of, once you've played through everything, you've seen everything, there are these like daily climbs. There are sort of randomizers where you get like a random deck of cards. You have to like see, take these and see how you get on. And yeah, I could, I, I pretty much play it every day anyway. So if it was the only game I was able to play, it would probably have to be that one. You live in an island. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably a better answer. You came with that from a different direction than I did. That's probably better because I probably what I would do is ruin one of my favorite games by playing yeah, it over yeah. and over again. Yeah, something would emerge into gameplay and different. Yeah, that's yeah, damn. Yeah, like like, like w- within a week you'd you'd be sick of it. I try to eat it. <laughs> What's the rule of Desert Island in in the show or the radio thing, whatever it used to be? What would would you have means to survive? And and they're, and they're like, 
but you can also it was it was mu- it's music right i think it's yeah, yeah, yeah. like a robinson crusoe thing you've managed to you know establish some sort of life there but you've got one of this i love your modern references to things like desert island this horse is like <laughs> robinson crusoe yeah. <laughs> oh fuck off how about you i bring a book <laughs> no no i would i would surprise you you, you might think i would say football manager yeah, yeah, I which, would actually. Yeah, yeah. Which, which maybe I, I, I might actually. Yeah. No, no. I, I, do I would actually bring? I'm surprised you here. I'd bring Mario Odyssey. Oh, I like oh, that. Because what, 999 moons or whatever? Many, I, if yeah. You're on, if you're on an island. I've got all the time in the world. Yeah. And it is, I think it's one of the the most replayable video games yeah. ever created. I think it's one of the best games ever made. Um, and okay. I just feel, I usually feel very happy playing it. I don't know, is that because I kind of zone everything else out and just kind of forget about my woes and you know all the sadness in the world and the war things like that hey, you're, you're stealing my thing i, I yeah, bring yeah. the sad stories yeah, you are, yeah 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 well, why then ken's the sexy one you're the sad one yeah i'm the old-fashioned yeah 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 from the, the old man, the old man yeah which one of us is cool but cruel that's own Oh, okay. it is own. Yeah, that's, de- that's definitely own. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah perfect. Yeah, but I, I, I would say Mario Odyssey, yeah, for sure, for sure. That's for a great sure. show. I just replayed it like three days ago. Absolute masterpiece. It's probably, do you know what struck me about it? About nothing else. Like, there's a hundred things struck me about it. it. I might be the most polished game ever made. That's a great shot. Yeah. Just in terms of everything. That yeah. <laughs> just smooth it down to like yeah. the finest version no of it. No filler. No filler. It plays so well. It's probably, yeah, that's a great one. But do you think it's the same problem with me, though? Do you think you, Kev chose the best answer and you get sick of it after a while because you're on a desert island? Yeah. You, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you should change it and bring football manager because I think you could play that. Well, I'm going to edit this. I'm going to edit out yeah. Kev's answer and I'm going to just record it myself. <laughs> 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 everyone, thank you for joining us on this uh, slightly different episode. I haven't listened to this or edited it yet, so I'm just going to apologize for any audio issues. This isn't the norm. We were just all together and we just really wanted to record a thing. Um, I hope you made it this far. <laughs> if this is the light of day, I'll be amazed. Because we don't have a studio, people. We're just in my room. I opened the window because it's warm. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff we're dealing with here. But I uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I was joined here by Kevin O'Carroll and Jonathan Morrissey. And um, check us out again. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.